0: Chapter Four: Old Voices Speak anew. Salafiel stood outside the stone dwelling of the healer. His eyes burning from hours spent assisting the healer repair wounds. Father had often told them privilege did not disqualify the use of one's time, a sentiment he'd always took to heart no matter what it was that needed to be done. His heart was heavy, and he felt less kind than usual. The effects of seeing someone brutally die bothered him. His fingers were numb, and he was shaking. He himself had only killed large game such as deer or the occasional rabbit when hunting he had often fought in tournaments but he had never killed anyone before and even though the dead had been Tanemian, it still bothered him to see someone burned to death was a cruel memory still as fresh as the fires that had caused it. Slothiel leaned on the wall and looked at the stars he noted how silent they were and that the world went on without his say-so the sky was filled with celestial beings that were constant and silent Slafiel stretched his aching muscles and decided it was best to head to the castle as he was no longer needed by the healer. The only thing left to do now was to wait for healing to occur. He imagined that most were asleep by now, and he let his magic guide him down the path back to the garden gates. With the familiar noise, the large doors opened and he ascended the steps toward the royal chambers. Kordok stood outside his door, waiting patiently. Any news, Slafiel asked groggily. Yes, but that remains for us tomorrow. You don't look like you're in the mood for any new information. I will tell you, though, that Derek wishes us to meet with him in the temple at sunrise. All right, I'll be there. Thank you for keeping it to a minimum. None of us could handle any more tonight, Kordok said, rubbing his neck. Slothiel opened his door. Slothiel? Yes. Kordok hesitated. I saw how you reacted today. Are you okay? Yeah, Slothiel said. I'll be okay. I'm just a little rattled. If you ever need to talk, Kordok trailed off. Besides, this is not something that happens every day. Slothfield nodded. Thank you, brother. I'll be all right. I believe I need the time to process with a little bit of sleep. He said with a tired smile. Isn't that right? Kordok said. Slothfield started just now noticing the shadows under his brother's eyes. Are you okay? Kordok nodded. Just tired. Slothfield understood that feeling. Have you heard from Jacobin? Kordok smirked. The sleepy head fell asleep right after I told him about meeting Derek in the morning. So feel grinned. That sounds like him. Good night, Seth, Kordok said, turning and letting Ali yawn. Good night, brother, he responded. Slafield so entered the room and closed the door behind him. He looked around at his room, lit by flickering torchlight. His room was medium sized, plenty of space for his needs. He reached his hide-skin loft, untying the dagger he had on his side and tossing his leather tunic onto the floor nearby. He lay on top of the bed. It was too warm for him to consider the first sheets. He closed his eyes, but inevitably lay looking at the tapestry on the ceiling. The stone columns appeared to weave back and forth in the torchlight, making intricate patterns that he had often followed with his eyes when he had trouble sleeping. He sighed, unhappy with his inability to fall asleep quickly. Jacobin could fall asleep without a second thought. Slafiel said, laughing bitterly to himself. When he closed his eyes, he saw another. saw nothing but blood and fire. He slowly moved to a sitting position on the side of the loft. He gripped the red wood posts, running his thumb up and down the smooth surface. Slafiel stood up and grabbed an ear by a pitcher of wine. He found a goblet and poured the rich, dark liquid into it. The color made him wince, considering all he had seen today, but he drank it nonetheless. It was particularly bitter he looked at it displeased but continued drinking he suddenly realized that he had hardly drunk anything that day or eaten anything for that matter he thought as he turned to the bread and cheese that had been set out for him he bit into this food hungrily a noise outside the door interrupted his chewing he froze the strap the scratching continued and the door handle twisted noiselessly Slavio swallowed and felt the bread go down his throat awkwardly as he helped it with another sip of wine Salafiel opened the door slowly, the door creaking as it opened only a crack. He heard shuffling and hasty footsteps. He slung the door open forcefully as someone clumsily fled out of view. He looked in the direction of the noise, of Qing Qing to make out whatever he had seen or heard. He wanted to pursue but knew he was weaponless. He went back inside, considering considered informing the guards, but instead felt for his dagger, placing it beside his bed. He realized that he would not get much sleep tonight. With a crack of flame, he summoned his magic. He considered going outside, but was so tired. So instead, he laid in bed and watched the door. His eyes were heavy and he rubbed them. He blinked several times to clear his vision. The door rattled. He stood up aggravated. Jacobin, he muttered to himself. Of everyone, he knew Jacobin enjoyed teasing him the most. It is late and I've got no time for games. He doubted himself for a minute, considering all that had happened, even for Jacobin. This type of prank was out of place. He pressed his ear against the door. He heard a low, guttural noise. His eyes widened as he backed away from the door. The wood cracked and something pushed through, spewing splinters into the room. The large, needle-mouth of the Tunaemian roared as bright, blinding flames erupted from between its jaws. sophia yelled, desperately grabbing for any weapon he could get his hands on. The fire reached for him with long talons and wrapped around his throat. He woke up in a cold sweat looking at the ceiling of his room. He rubbed his face and breathed deeply into his hands, shaking and nauseated. He knew he would not sleep any more tonight. These are what you call the Ashen Stones, or dragon fragments. They are the source of the power of the Ashenborn. You each have your own magical abilities, but these stones enhance them and make them stronger. Derek walked with his hands behind his back, looking very scholarly magic allows you to conjure fire weapons heal the wounded and even change the temperature of your surroundings before the war of stones magic had no bounds to what it could do magic could curse decay and trap magic itself was crippled by Dothros, who sought to use magic to imitate the ashenborn derek said if not for the ashen stones magic itself would have left this world derek looked at his wrist dragons are often revered as the culmination of magic in the realm of power the dragon is unarguably the strongest compared to all other creatures these living stones grant you power a power that binds to you lives in you and transforms you he paused his step and looked at the three princes princes sternly this is not something to be taken lightly you will be changed forever because of this if you so choose there is no turning back the ashenborn have not spoken to give permission to the right of bright flame, in exigent circumstances, sometimes action must be taken. I am ashen elder, and regardless of personal consequence, will perform it, if you are willing. He paused, adding, Many will learn of my treason and call you terrible things of because of what you will become. He gestured towards the brothers with his hand. Well, what you must become. Each of you harbors individual powers that will manifest themselves in different ways. Your hues also have a lot to do with it. A yellow fragment for instance could be gold or bronze it's up to the fragment to reveal themselves these are powers like you've never experienced you all have magical abilities they will be intensified his gaze scanned the prince's faces what do you mean powers kordok asked the first is a dragon power the other is an improvement upon your already learned abilities for instance kordok you could have the power of foresight or prophecy maybe even something never seen before the possibilities are up to you Prophecy? Like telling the future? Yes, well, prophetic dragons usually are more complex than that, often having enhanced wisdom as well. What if Salafi Korra asked, guessing Salafiel was anxiously waiting to ask that same question by the expression on his face. Our hues are all still different. Are you saying that our hues represent our characters? Your soul more like it. Your character is a part of your soul. Salafi and Jacobin will develop differently from you. Derek placed his hand on the center of his chest. It can be determined, Salafiel will be a truth seen dragon also known as a But you must realize there is more depth to that than just skimming over your latent powers. There's also more to a thing than can be seen on the surface. This is just the beginning. This will make you different in other ways that are hard to foresee. What about Jacobin? Salafiel asked. The power to see weakness and to have strength because of it. A dragon of vigor, also known as a callus. A dragon ability but the fragments choose who is the will to wield each. Jacobin, if any should be on guard as you, Derek looked at him firmly, to see someone's weakness, can tempt you. Derek looked at him firmly again. What takes true power is to re- realize people's strengths in spite of their weaknesses. He paused, causing their, uh, searching their faces. This goes for all of you. You can be blinded by relying just on yourselves. Together, you cannot be deceived easily. A rage of three cannot be fooled indeed, Derek said poetically. Rage of three, Jacobin asked. An old saying, "Mean three dragons or ashenborn, will not be easily defeated. You see, three is a special number among the elders. Just remember, you have strength together, he grinned. Now to a more interesting topic, the kindling. These words aren't very original. Everything is about fire, burning, or flames, Kordok said pointedly. Derrick pursed his lips. Fire is the center of most things. Besides, would you prefer to call it dragoning or the giant lizard transformation? Derek smiled. Ignore Kordok. What is the kindling? Jochobin said, impatient as always. Derrick cleared his throat, answering. Your fragments, when bonded with you, ebbed themselves into you, becoming a part of you until death would separate you. Their magic will never leave you until you no longer live in Yadir. What exactly does that mean? Slokil said. Elder Derek rolled up the sleeve of his garment and reached his palm outward his old brown eyes began to illuminate changing to a topaz color and charge of the same color shone brightly through his gauntlet tendrils of light wrapped around his shoulder the fragments embed themselves into you becoming the source of your power as you will become aware once you have been bonded the fragments emerged from the skin as if it were transparent they cannot be removed if you will it They can be removed, if you will it. The stone moved back without effort into his wrist. Guard yourself, as they can be removed by blade. Your magic should more than suffice to block such an attack, however. Sloughy looked on with wide eyes. I'm not so sure, he trailed off. Will it hurt? Uh, Jacobin said, no, but I dare tell you that it will be the most bewildering thing to ever occur to you. Also be warned, the dragon power has side effects, Derek winked, rolling down his sleeve. The stones run out of power after an excess of use. Each person is different. You cannot compare yourselves to each other. Each has his own limits. This is humanity. The only way to revitalize a fragment is to place it in fire to rejuvenate its ability. What happens when they are emptied? Korok asked, concerned. Derek rubbed his beard. The stones will dull to the color of stone, and if not rejuvenated, it will kill the bearer. If the person dies, this bond is broken. You must be sure not to allow this to happen. These are living stones renewed daily by fire. How will we know when we have overused them? Kordok inquired. As you know, Derek said, magic draws from your blood, and so does your Ascian stone. Magic draws from your stone first, then your own resources. Derek cleared his throat. Much like shakiness brought on by lack of food due to hunger, you will know the effects. Do not let this happen to you. Death in this way is unquestionably painful. Derek clapped his hands. Your transformation will occur without warning but after the first time you will be able to control it on your own your abilities will manifest gradually but then remain constant Derek lifted a single finger waving it in their faces beware of the danger that comes with it to become something so powerful will initially feel bewildering and your thoughts may be confused you will gain better control with time be aware of how powerful you feel the frail nature of a dragon will change the way you think while a dragon, you will feel more like a wild animal, and it may even spill into your humanity. Derek opened the clear chest and removed three glowing stones from within. Having heard all this, he said, turning to them, <clears throat> What do you choose? The three stood stil- silently. Derek sighed. No one will blame you, but ignoring what's going on will shift the blame to us. Fighting darkness with the power we currently hold is a lost cause. I do not ask this of you lightly. Remember, through all of this, you will never be alone. So I'll step forward first. What do we have to do? in your hands, Derek said simply, and prepare yourself. The stones floated from his hands, a fragment landing in the palm of each of the three princes. The fragments were jagged and dull. The three princes looked curiously at the fragments they held. Place your fragments under these van braces. Derek moved to help tie one onto each of their respective arms. I will now bind them with you. Prepare to feel a strange sensation. Derek touched his own vambrace and closed his eyes, murmuring quietly. The stone shot streams of light around the vambraces into their arms. Their eyes lit up. White flames floated in the air as they appeared to be waves of fire wrapping them in pearlescent light. Sparks skittered around them with the sounds of crackling bonfire. The old temple shook and dust flowed into the air. Derek was the only thing not moving. His eyes echoed power as orbs of white floated around him. As a final wave of fire subsided, the prince stood speechless. The white orbs floated all around them. They spun faster and faster, slowly separating the smaller and smaller orbs until they finally disappeared altogether. Derek stood tall as his voice echoed with power. You were Ashenborn, he said. This final warning I must give to you. You have chosen a new life, one of sacrifice. Do not abuse it, because time is of the essence. I cannot train you in the use of your new powers at this time. I wish we had years you... You will need to, I wish we had years, for you will need that to completely learn all you know you must know. Once you become dragons, there will be more to be learned, he added sorrowfully. You do not have that luxury. Instead, you must learn so as you were called upon. Slothfield turned abruptly as Jacobin popped his knuckles. Use the magic sparingly. The Tanims will definitely know who you are, even more so now, Derek said. Use this power when nothing else is possible. <clears throat> Sawfield turned his arm, looking at the Van Brace. Remember, you are now even more of a target than you were originally. There will be those who want to kill you because of what you possess. Guard your hearts earnestly. Each of you holds more importance than you know. When the time comes, I will teach you in more depth. I have simply prepared you for the basics. There will be more for you to experience before more can be taught. Are we the last ones to become Ashenborn? No, Derek said. You are the first of a new covenant. More will fall after you as times have changed. The time of our ritualistic and specific nature must change. The Ashmore will die out unless we do something unselfishly. Believe me, the Ashen born way of this ritual takes days. How will we know how to use these powers? Kordok said, still looking at his palms. I can only tell you my own, but that would not benefit you. We carry the same power, it will show itself to you more than more with time. I would be remiss not to talk to you about your enemy. You will be facing those who wish to dethrone the power of the Astroborn, and the kings and queens who supported them. Alongside them are the treacherous monstrosities of the Timimian. Few know this, but the Timimian are not of this world, so in truth they cannot be killed in this world. It is not to say they are immortal, but that we have discovered no way to kill them internally. The Tynemian come from somewhere other than the Edir, though we do not know from where. That they bring their own back from the dead, we only know from the return of those killed. You should have no fear of it affecting you because you are Ashenborn, but know for the time being you will face something that cannot be killed, only contended with temporarily. The creatures fell when Dothros fell. There is the mystery. Since Dothros is no longer alive, we must discover what or who brings them to walk outside of the shadows. To Saul, Jacobin said angrily, how are they able to become dragons? Slothy asked. Derek sighed. A person can carry a sword, but that doesn't make him a master of the blade. Imitations will arise. Much like has already occurred, so they are not as powerful. Jackman said with an air of confidence. No fakes do more harm than good. Harm than good. However, imitating power eventually leads to power. Derek said. For several hours, they discussed all that being an Ashenborn entailed, until Jiaf delivered the news of their departure. "'I will teach you more,' Elderic said, when time allows. "'Now there is much for you each to learn without words.' "'They left the temple in silence, wearing the self-privilege the they carried. "'Jacobin was the first to leave them, "'eager to prepare for the coming journey. "'Salafiel and Kordok watched as Jacobin went out of sight. "'A rage of three, Salafiel whispered. "'Kordok kept pace with him. "'Isn't a group of dragons a thunder?' "'Salafiel shrugged. "'Either sounds equally intimidating.' Alanis took a deep breath, flustered from lack of sleep. He was preparing to deliver a message, which he had with grief received. He had decided to deliver the news himself rather than rely on a messenger. Men, women, and children by the thousands had gathered in the score of the mighty hold. The crowd was mostly silent, while a few whispered nervously. The royal purple of the king's clothes drew attention as he walked onto the parapet. The king approached the edge and stopped. The crowd grew quiet as they noted his sombre face. The king surveyed the people below him as he gathered his thoughts. He was disturbed by what he had learned, and knew he could not relay the entire contents of the message. I received word of a large horde of Tanimes approaching from the plains of Syrian in the south, the old king spoke in an unexpectedly solid voice which echoed with ease through the distance. Excuse me. His face was wrinkled, but his eyes, however, were full of reassurance, showing showing nothing but youthful endurance. King Alani stood straight, taking in the looks of fright and shock. Nervous murmur ran through the crowd. No need to fear, my good people, for life still will prevail. We have all lived a life of plenty, but this is what we do with the plenty that truly matters, the king said as he lifted his right hand and pointed towards the rising sun. We have prepared for seasons of peace and war, and now is the time of war. Fight we must and fight we shall, and we are not alone. The world is full of our allies. Alanias paused and smiled widely. We know our enemy, the Rims are true, the Tunimian are back. Alanias drew his sword and held him in front of the crowd, silencing the rising sounds of the crowd. We cannot fear the darkness, the darkness must fear us. We put down this enemy before, and we will do it again. I give you this promise if not my lifetime, then the lifetime of my sons. Alania's gaze swept across the crowd. We are well prepared, and we are not a people to sit back idly, sit back idly and await the worst. We will fortify and we will meet them. Alanais nodded towards his royal guard, guard the royal guard, a tough armored clad group of men who lined the city's massive walls. Adorning each of their cloaks was the familiar symbol. These men have stood the test of time throughout Lysville's history they are our preservers our protectors they have experienced war and pain throughout their lives they fight so that we would remain safe we have no reason to fear the tanemian those desolate creatures for these men are well trained in the art of combat but to ensure our survival and preservation i am sending trusted men to the city of Malfi. people chattered nervously but many held on to his words birds cannot be sent because the message requires the utmost care if our enemy were to know our intentions then more would die Although we need not fear the Tenemian, we must remember their trickery and deceptive spirit. They are wicked beings that do not allow surrender, and they stop at nothing to accomplish what they are ordered to do, and kill without restraint." Alanias paused to allow them to take in the words. Those who wish to send their loved ones to our secret holds and allies will be offered an escort with a medium-sized battalion of three hundred of our well-seasoned men. As your king, I ask that the men who can wield a sword stay and fight. I demand, however, that we be filled with courage and not fear. Pray for us all in this hour, and do not think we will leave you in the dark. With that, the king returned. King turned and walked back to the doorway of the castle. Zark stepped up to address the crowd. In one hour's time, those wishing to fight must report to the inner courtyard to receive weapons and armor. Those who wish to find sanctuary should return to their own homes and await the call to leave. Remaining outside will only make you and your family an open target. He paused, adding, I leave you in this moment to consider your worth. Will you hunker down or will you fight beside me? Zarks turned and followed the king through the doorway, flanked by members of the royal guard. The noise of the crowd rose as people began talking to their neighbors, discussing what they'd heard and considering their options. The sun filtered through the trees, lighting the courtyard irregularly as the crowd began to disperse, returning their homes to prepare either to fight or flee. Alanis fell into his golden throne and began to rub his temples. He waved off several servants who offered him assistance, taking instead a goblet of wine and drinking it, thankfully. Alanias stood up slowly and stepped down from his throne. He began to pace, wondering what would happen should the walls fail to hold back the Tamims. Surely, he thought, Lysol couldn't be overrun by even a large force, but what destruction would befall the city in the process of an attack? How many citizens, unprepared and undeserving, would suffer and die in the event that the guard cannot repel the coming attack? Alanias scoffed at himself. It wasn't like him to doubt his military men they had trained since they were young boys learning the art of combat alanias even remembered the many early mornings when he'd awaken his own three boys just go outside and trained in the art of magic and sword his two blood sons Kordok the eldest, and jacobin the youngest were noble in everything a father could hope for in a child but alanias adoptive son salafiel his middle child was the most special to him he knew the importance of honor discipline and integrity although Kordok and Joachim possessed these traits. Salafiel never strayed from them. He worked twice as hard to gain his father's approval, though Alanias never required that of him. Alanias did recognize, however, a nature within Salafiel that made him a trustworthy and loyal heir. Kordok and Salafiel entered grim looks on their faces. So we're heading the Malfate then? Kordok asked, somewhat surprised. He'd even agreed to go in the first place. You and Salafiel both know that the risk of loss is too great for us not to send aid. Send for aid, Alanis replied in a serious tone. If we do not get assistance from Malfate, life spell may fall. You heard me attempt to reassure the people that everything will be fine. But if we don't get help, it is very possible that we will be unable to fend off an invasion. Slothil shot his father a look of disbelief. You and General Zarks just assured the people that everything would be okay, Slothil said, his voice shaking. Father, what's really going on? Zarks walked into the room briskly, shutting the door behind him to ensure that no one would overhear the conversation he then approached the king and his sons your majesty you know that i support you in your judgment but at this moment i cannot let you i can tell you that i agree i cannot tell you that i agree with sending your sons the malfate you and i both know the dangers that lie in just traveling to the city i'm aware of the risks alamas responded his voice strangely calm but it's more than that, your majesty. Would they not serve a greater purpose here, protecting this glorious city from the front lines? Kordok stared at Zarks, trying to understand his true motivation for keeping them here. All and I spoke forcefully. I know what is best, General. I've been leading my men and my kingdom for many years now. Sending my sons to Malfate is the best way to show how serious the situation is and how desperate it may become. Our allies will recognize our time of need and send us their aid. I'm just not sure that the situation is that desperate yet, Your Majesty. I believe we can handle the Tneems. We have many times before, Zark said in an unsteady voice, his face betraying his unease. Something was bothering him, and Alanias noticed it. Besides, Zark add, added, with Derek away to Iosh, we are more defenseless than it is fitting to face them, I know. But we must make do with what we have. All and I spoke kindly to Zarks, as Zarks had been the age of Kordok, Salafiel, and Jacobin, when the Dunims had shown themselves last time. They had all trained together, and Zarks came to his position as general for the king because of his friendly relationship to the king's sons and for his ferocity and maturity in battle. I'm going to be straightforward with you, your majesty, Zarks said. There's another problem. His eyes were rimmed in red and his face paled as if he had been, if not been able to get much sleep. Taking this observation in. Alanias began to worry. What is it? Alanis said in an urgent tone. We will be under attack shortly. You're ready and willing to stop Kordok and Slothfield to gain more reinforcements, but there's one problem. Jacobin is missing. No one knows when he left or where he went. Alanis nodded. He had been informed of his son's disappearance. I have sent men to look into it, but did not deem it necessary to tell anyone and cause more worry. Jacobin disappeared this morning after promising to go to Malfi. He paused and stared to the distance. The men around him gave him their full attention. Jacobin, I fear, took off without his brothers. His brothers are the most fit to find him. He looked at Zarks. I have faith in that. Alanis sighed. Sloth and this is why I am seeing you to Malfate as well. You know Jacob better than anyone. I know you will find him and ensure his safety. Afraid that the worst is the Tumenian presence is spreading like fire. Alanis turned to Kordok. Have I not taught you to use the bow? He turned to Slothiel, and you the art of the sword. I trust what has been instilled in you, and I want that to continue when I am dead and gone. Korok's eyes widened. Surely, father, you do not think Salafiel will fall. Salafiel remained silent, eyes wide. I have no doubts we will succeed with Zarks here. He has proved himself as you have both, nice said, but I want you to put what you have been taught into practice. Now is the time to do it. Salafiel's eyes misted over slightly. He blinked and stepped forward, saying, father, what would you have us do? Alanis. Eyes hinted at tears. Find Jacobin and bring us aid. Slaughter and Kordak bowed, both trying to hide the concern on their faces. I almost forgot, Alan, I said, placing two flat pieces of what looked like mirrors on the table. These are window speaks. Derek wanted you two and Zarks to have one so that you can communicate with one another on the way. He was able to make two with the remaining magic of the light prison. It seems even magic has its limits. Slafield picked one of the pieces up and moved his fingers along its edges. How do we communicate with these? he asked. Uh, Derek said to state who you are, if you were to wish to speak to Alanias. Replied. Zarx picked up his piece in a glass with a look of disgust. If it is of benefit, I will take it as the king commands. Zarx placed the fragment inside his cloak. I wish to speak with my sons alone for a moment, Zarx. Zarx bowed without speaking and exited the room. Alanis was quiet for a moment as if searching for the right words. I am proud of all of my sons. Alanis walked to them and smiled widely, a hint of tears visible at the corner of his eyes. You made your father proud by how you ran into the fight, and despite the danger surrounding you, each of you held your ground. Alanis put a hand on each of their shoulders. You both are men, Jacobin also. I am glad to have been able to walk with you on your journey of becoming men. You will never truly know how much you are loved by me and how much I would never trade any of my time with you for anything else. Allies uh, paused, humbly for words, his face reddening with emotion. I know you will be safe. Remember to stay out of harm's way so you can return to me. He pulled him to a hug. The embrace of a father. All right, that's going to be end. I will continue either in a few days or so soon. If you guys could, uh, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe to me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Facebook at author MW Finn. Uh, or instagram f-e-n-n underscore m-a-t-t-h-e-w appreciate you guys and look forward to reading again with you guys later